Hey there, welcome to the Craftish Podcast, episode number 25. I'm Vicki Howell. This episode is sponsored by Makers Mercantile. Makers Mercantile is a space for fueling your creativity, inspiring you to make using any medium that you feel passionate about. Their online shop carries supplies for sewing, weaving, knitting, crocheting, dyeing, and more, plus curated gifts, which is perfect for this time of year, books, craft storage, and apparel. You can find them at makersmercantile.com, but be sure to stay tuned towards the end of the show because they have an offer that's going to be one that especially you yarn crafters will not want to miss. This week, I talked with Lena Skvargesen, the lead designer for Annie's Signature Designs and one of the experts on public television's Knit and Crochet Now, hosted by Deborah Norville. During our conversation, we talked about what she's learned about the knitting and crochet industry over her triple decade career, whether or not perception of needle arts is different in her native Sweden than here in the United States, and what still excites her about producing collections to be made by the masses. Let's meet her now. Lena Skvagerson, thank you so much for being on Craftish. Yes, hi Vicky. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. I um, I was researching for our conversation, and one of the things that struck me is that you have worked for companies within the industry for long periods of time. You worked for Drops, uh, for which is a beautiful sort of knitting house um, and design company for 25 mm-hmm. years. You're now the lead designer for Annie's here in the States. And now in this day and age of our industry, of the knitting and crochet industry, that's kind of a rarity. The in-house designer um, thing mm-hmm. doesn't happen as much with the advent of blogs and um, sort of like the hotbed of independent designers, companies are less, they have less in-house. And I wanted to know if now that you, you know, you've been in the business for, for so long and you Mm -hmm. see how other designers have come up, do you, what advantages, if any, do you feel that you've had by really truly growing with a company from the onset um, and, you know, learning how to design and become and flourish within that within that sort of one house and now two houses versus kind of going mm-hmm. rogue like what is the norm today and just picking up and designing here and there and where wherever you can. Well, that it's it's the cool questions that I've never got before actually. But the thing is that I got in with drops at such a young age. You know, I was only like twenty two, I think, or twenty one, whatever, and. Uh, so that was just the norm for me that I, and I can see looking back, I feel like I am kind of like a company girl. Like I, I like that environment where you're part of a group and we didn't have a lot of like turnaround. We were pretty much the same people, you know, year in year. So you get really get to know the people you work with very well. And I did develop because I kind of came, you know, in like a young girl and the company developed and I developed and the internet came along. And so I was like growing with the company, with, with the time, with internet. And, and the company just was, from the beginning, you know, in Norway, Sweden, Denmark. So at that point, it wasn't easy to reach out beyond your market. But then, like I said, internet came along and websites, and we started getting into the European markets. And so the, the job was so exciting for me that I never even thought about, you know, going somewhere else or, or doing my own thing. And I... Uh, over there, just like over here, I was, you know, working with design, both knit and crochet designs. I was 
uh, in touch with all the, the magazines over there. We did special designs for the magazines. We went to trade shows and consumer shows. So it was just like an ongoing excitement all the time. But then I moved over here because I do have family. And so that's like another story then. But I ended up over here in California and kept working for Drops um, on a distance, like do, making all their create, you know, those tutorial videos they have online and, and doing that remote work for them. But then it opened up that I was able to, to start working with Annie's because I had worked with Annie's, uh, with the magazines, uh, submitting designs for them. So I kind of got my foot in their door. And as I felt that I was going to stay here in America from the beginning. I didn't know if I was, but then as more and more of the years went by, you know, it was really cool to get working for an American company, but I never thought of like back to your question. I never thought of going out like an independent designer because at that point, after 25 years with a company, I'm kind of like a company girl. I like my colleagues and my, my teams that work together. So that was just natural for me to keep working in that kind of environment that I've been doing. You know, that's pretty much my whole life. Yeah. I guess what I'm curious about as an independent designer myself is if you feel, mm -hmm. if you can feel the advantage that you may have had, I, from my perspective, it seems like you must have had such a wonderful sort of bed of on the job training that a lot of designers now don't get. I mean, there are still companies mm -hmm. that do have in um, in house designers, as you you work for mm -hmm. one now. But they're very. It's very rare. So I. Mm -hmm. I but the, the also until recently, until the advent of online education, there also in this country at least was very little training to be a hand hand knitwear mm -hmm. designer. And so I mm -hmm. guess my curiosity lays, and do you, do you feel, do you see that you had the benefit of experience of growing up with a company where you were surrounded by everything from the, you know, mm -hmm. from the actual sort of aesthetics to the design of the, the yarns to learning about the technical aspect um, in a way that I think an independent designer truly could mm. not unless they went out and sort of went on a journey on their own to really focus just on that. Yeah, no, like you said, it's hard if you would be like now I can only imagine because I haven't been independent, but I can only imagine, like you say, the whole the whole thing that I got to do where I got to be part of photo shoots, I got to go to to trade shows and talk to the yarn producers and working for a small company, it made me, you know, available to to go into these all these different fields so like you said of course I learned everything from how yarn is produced and why as well as going and following trends and knowing where to kind of find that information to how you set up photo shoots and and talk to magazines so it's of course there's like training in every single aspect that I went through to a point where I like you said I come out 25 years later I'm just very well, you know, all around with the whole yarn industry, all the different bits that goes into it. So I would say, like you say, that's super hard to, to get to. If I would just have been my own, I would never, ever, you know, never have got that really like good base to stand on. And at this, I mean, now at this point, I'm still learning. It's like, it's not like you you're, you're, you know, finally like fully learned, but I would say it, I'm more like a senior designer at this point where I have this huge just ba database inside me of 
all this knowledge that I can pick from. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it, I don't even, I don't know how to imagine how to pick up all that, uh, being an independent designer from scratch. Do you feel any sense of responsibility uh, within the industry to pass along some of the knowledge that you've accrued over the past, you know, three decades? I do, of course, because there's like this whole, well, I don't know as much as passing on to other designers, but passing on the whole uh, the whole craft, you know, the thing knitting and crochet, that it makes me so sad thinking that the next generation is going to grow up with not having having the the possibilities to work with craft the way maybe I did back in Sweden. It's it's on the um, on the schedule for school, like already from kindergarten. There is like um, a textile class everyone is uh, has to take. So we get, you know, now they're talking about removing that after it's always been like that back in Sweden, that boys and girls gets that knowledge. So, and here in America too, it's like, I'm afraid that we're going into coming generation when all that would die away. So I feel like all of us has to, uh, it's like, it's almost stressful. Like I see my own kids, like they, they don't have any interest. (laughs) Well, we'll talk about that in a sec because uh, because I have I also have children and I sort of believe that that's because they see their moms being stressed out about <laughs> about affirma- about affirmation creativity. But we'll talk about that in a second. I, sure. So there is a uh, I don't know if you know. Do you know Mary Lynn Patrick? She's a designer that's been around. Uh, her sister is Carla Singer, who's the editor of Knit Simple um, okay, yeah. at Soho. Well, Mary Lynn. Mm-hmm actually went to school to a knitting school in I believe it was London back in the 70s and uh-huh. I and I remember when I first started in the industry the first time I met her I just if I had been in the same state god bless her I would have been at mm-hmm. her house every day because I was so hungry for that kind of knowledge mm-hmm. at the at the time there were there, I mean, I used to beg Carla Singer to teach a math for a knitting course. There weren't, there wasn't a craft, yeah. there wasn't a craftsy, there wasn't a creative live, mm-hmm. there wasn't Facebook, there wasn't um, all of these wonderful resources now. So it's so interesting to see how now this knowledge is actually getting passed along because we have social mm-hmm. media, because we have the internet to be able to pass um, along that knowledge. So maybe, maybe mm-hmm. we're not losing it. Maybe we've just, now we've got a louder voice and a stronger platform potentially. Definitely. Definitely. Like the whole, the, and like you say, with Ravelry and websites like that also, that is kind of like, you know, Facebook communities for knitters and crafters. That's, it's all helping. Definitely. Like what would we have done if that had not happened? I don't, I don't know, but it's like, it's definitely an inspiration. And and then what I've seen now that I, first I thought, you know, when all those Harry Potter movies came out, yeah. uh, Lord of, like all this, that, that had a lot of like knitwear in them. It started this trend to actually be wearing knitted mm-hmm. items mm-hmm. because before that it was kind of like, eh, who wants to wear, you know, grandma would do it, but who wa- would want to wear it? But now there is a trend. And if you look at all fashion brands, they all include knitting and crochet garments. So as long as the next generation see that is really hip and cool to be wearing these items hand knitted. So hopefully that's also an inspiration to actually be like, hey, I can do that myself. I don't have to go buy it or I can be unique in the way I pick my colors or how I style it. So 
Uh, that's yeah, absolutely. Helping. I mean, right now, I mean, on, I'm sure you have an inspiration board. I do uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I have, you know, I have tear sheets from Prada right now that have these really great like mm-hmm. Argyle, you know, toeless socks. And then there's also, of course, you know, anthropology ads always have great, you mm-hmm. know, knitwear. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. as we swing back towards the movement of DIY, instead of it being quote unquote woman, women's work, I think there's mm-hmm. great potential for elevating the craft. Um, and I think that women like yourself who are mm. continuing to sort of fight the good fight and also produce beautiful work can only help that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You so, and also, mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, no, you, well, sorry to interrupt you. You mentioned that you started at about age 22, but before that I read somewhere mm-hmm. that you were actually taking a pattern writing class in the evenings, this had to have been in Sweden. It couldn't have been here. I don't think yeah. anything even existed like, <laughs> like that. I was fascinated. Was that just at a regular, like, extended education school? Pattern, yeah, it wasn't like, it's called, like, uh, Textile Academy in, in Gothenburg in Sweden. Uh, it's not pattern writing specified for knitting and crochet, but it's pattern construction, like, uh, garment construction, like how to calculate all the measures and armhole depths and, you know, all that kind of like how. That's pretty uh, invaluable now, though. I mean, yeah. and grading I like is the hardest part of, like, of pattern writing. It really yeah, is. Yeah, because it's like you say, a designer, you can have all these vision and you could draw up like amazing garments. But if you don't know how to construct them so that they will fit someone's body or and even, you know, how, how it's one thing to design a hat. But then if you're doing a sweater and you're going to size it in six sizes to know the difference on how a sweater would sit on a little skinny body compared to someone who has like a big boobs or big back, you know, yeah. all that. You need to kind of like have that knowledge. I think that's, that's something that I picked up back there, which is some knowledge that I could have used no matter if I went into textile the textile industry or it wasn't like specific for knitting and crochet, but. So at that yeah, point, so- at that point you, your intention wasn't to get into the knitting and crochet industry? Not necessarily, but the thing was that I was a constant knitter. Not so much crochet, to be honest, but but knitting. Back then, I was knitting all the time. So, uh, yeah, so the background was that I had a job in an office for a construction company. Just, mm-hmm. you know, a little office girl. And this ad for drops came out in the newspaper that they were looking for somebody to be in charge of building up their Swedish market, like because drops is a Norwegian company. So now they wanted to build up uh, distributors in Sweden and they had an ad in the newspaper and my phone just rang like all my friends, everyone I knew were like, Lena, there is a job for you today. It was almost like it was supposed to be, you know? So I, uh, I applied and, uh, I guess there was like a lot of people applying actually. And I was just so happy. It was like, it was just made for me that job. So I got, and that's how I got in. And uh, yeah, that was back in 1989. It sounds like it wasn't, maybe it was absolutely meant to happen. (laughs) I mean, if you had, if that many people identify, like saw, saw something Mm -hmm. and immediately thought of you, Mm -hmm. it seems like it was for you. Yeah. But, so, but I also had gone like I I went through the university. I went and took uh, marketing, sales and marketing. So I thought that that was what I was going to get into. 
I probably that's probably what I thought I would end up within something within marketing, but yeah, you and I believe that you said in in an interview. I think it was. Um, I think it was on the Benito website. Um, I could be mm-hmm. wrong about that, though. That you had always thought that you would go into marketing, and that if you weren't a designer now, that you would probably be uh, working in social media. And I just mm-hmm. wondered. I would. I would love to know from your perspective what it looks like from to you. Um, being in this industry and seeing how marketing's changed, if you would speak a little bit to how, like what social media, what the internet has given this industry specifically and how it's changed, how marketing and and sort of reaching out to knitters, consumers, customers, whatever, has changed mm-hmm. over the past, you know, your, your career lifetime mm-hmm. thus far. Yeah. Well, if, of course, it's been like a huge change because back back then the only way you could market was through the yarn stores. So it was almost like designers and yarn companies, they could just do their best presenting their material to the yarn store owners. And then it was up to each individual individual yarn store owner to, to market your material. So if you were in a yarn store and and you had a design, you, you could never, you know, know if it was your design that was going to hang in her windows or if it was someone else's design. So, but that was the only channel you had out to the consumers through the yarn stores. So, of course, then when Internet opened up, the direct communication where the yarn companies could start putting out their color cards and their, you know, marketing their new yarns or the new designs, uh, that was a huge difference where they could get direct contact with the consumers if that's good or bad i mean it's sad to have seen how a lot of the yarn stores are suffering now when when of course people can get all the yarn they want online but that's the development within everything so it's not you know unique for our industry but but then of course with the social media now where designers can go out and have their 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 facebook pages their instagram and put all the pictures and they can get you know thousands and thousands of followers they can easily just snap pictures and and post and that's what's kind of like thrilling to me because I think it's so exciting to have that direct communication with the knitters and crocheters out there where you post you know pictures of your designs in progress and you could share I think it's just inspirational to be able to do that so it keeps the whole industry alive the fact that we are able to do that yeah absolutely I mean especially you know to go back to your point about the the yarn stores if you're only advertising through yarn stores there's a huge portion of the of the knitting and crochet community Mm-hmm. That is never going to even know you exist. There's there are mm-hmm. whole. I was in my twenties before I knew that there were separate yarn stores versus, you know, uh-huh. overall craft stores. And I was a uh-huh. really crafty gal. I mean, I grew up with crafting, <laughs> and I had no idea until I, you know, I walked into this gorgeous store in California that that uh-huh. that, that level even existed. And I mm-hmm. I can't have been alone, especially given with how much time I spent crafting throughout my life. So if you only are catering uh-huh. to a very niche specific audience, mm-hmm. not to not to negate the importance of that smaller community, but on a no, global no. community to now mm-hmm. be able to reach out um, creatively um, mm-hmm. with the world, literally the world. I, I do a weekly, um, live video, th- uh, stream yeah, through I Facebook. Thank, I, oh, uh-huh. thank you. Um, and you know, just this week 
as I'm mm. watching, I see somebody saying hello from Turkey, hello from Germany, mm. you know, hello. Yeah. I almost get emotional even talking about it because mm-hmm. for to be able to reach women mm-hmm. across the world to find something that you have in common that mm-hmm. gives you that feeds that creative part of your soul and maybe in some way put you know gives you enough of a common bond that a larger mm-hmm. communication can happen about mm-hmm. anything is so mm-hmm. thrilling and feels like such a gift to me and we just happen to use you know we just happen to use fiber as sort of the the ground floor of that communication. It just, I think it's such Mm -hmm. an exciting time, even though the Mm -hmm. industry itself is in flux because Mm -hmm. we're trying to figure it out. I think that there's also just, there's no glass ceiling as far as where we can take it. Yeah. And I would like it when you say it that way, it's just like you say, it's almost like it gets emotional because you say it's almost like you, you get teared and I get like goosebumps on my arms because it is huge. It's it's just crazy how, like you say, you can sit there and you have people from all over the world connecting in with the same interest. I was just sitting now when you're talking, I'm like, is, is there any other industry that has that going? I don't know. I can't come up with something. You know, but. one would assume that other creative industries or any hobbyist indi- industries in general, you know, mm-hmm. if it's if you can find something that everybody has in common, then, then you know, you usually, because I, I say about knitters, like, we want to talk to other knitters, we want to we want to knit, we want to hang out with other knitters, we want to watch stuff mm-hmm. about knitters, we want to learn other things about knitters, we want to buy books about knitters. So <laughs> I, ha- I have to assume that if you were a car guy, or if you were into woodworking, or if you're into photography, that yeah. there's got to be a similar, you know, there's got to be some form of similar community. Um, we're just so embedded in this one. Um that it's yeah. hard to see past it. But I just, mm-hmm. I think that there's so many brilliant relationships that have been formed. And I know mm-hmm. on a personal level for me with people that I probably would never have come into contact otherwise because of no. maybe, you know, geography, maybe political, social, economic mm-hmm. differences. But having mm-hmm. that one common bond has sort of opened up a world to be able to have this kind of wider world view, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Like you said, back in the in the nineties, when I was back in the European market, like the American market felt like so far away. Like if somebody said that you wanted to start selling your products in America, it was like, oh my God, how would you even do that? But of course, today it's like you find yarns from all over the world are available everywhere too, because everything has opened up. Yeah. So. It really gives great opportunity to any, you know, if there's something that you really want badly enough and you're willing to work for it, there mm -hmm. aren't the limitations that there were before we had these methods of communication. There really aren't. No. No, and I remember thinking about that, how everything was so, like in Sweden, they would breed sheep in Sweden. And of course, we're... Where, where the sheep lives, you know, if they live where it's really cold, their their wool gets really uh, rough and not soft or anything. So mm-hmm. that's kind of like the fab, the material people had to work with back, you know, back in the sixties and seventies. That's why everyone was like, no, I don't want socks from grandma because they're so scratchy. And then there's like nobody knew about alpaca or merino or anything because they didn't send fibers across the world so I remember like the alpaca fiber coming into the industry over there in the mid 90s and people were like oh my god what is this this is like you know amazing so so that it's changed just over the last 
20 years that we have got access to all this. So, yeah, I would assume that that's happening even just, you know, with the types of foods that people are willing to try and eat because they see that they exist or Mm -hmm. different fashions and styles. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've noticed this being in the fashion world, but I've absolutely noticed that right now it feels less like there's a stereotypical style than there has in any other decade of my own life where Mm -hmm. there were just there. It's almost like there were official styles for for decades, and now there's obviously there's trends. We're always going to have trends. Mm-hmm. We we make our living based on a lot of trends, but there's also a level of just self expression through clothing and fashion mm-hmm. um, that seems to be there that wasn't always. And I wonder if it's that same, it's, it's based on that same sort of like nugget of difference that we're exposed Mm. to a world now instead of just our own, you know, the constructs of our own community. I guess so. It must be, but also because it's like, you can see how things just because of that is also going a little bit more and more towards basic. I would say like, that's anyway, like how I feel when I'm designing now that I'm stri- I'm trying to stay away from all kind of like, um, you know, s- extra special things like left or right. Like I, I try to go more mainstream and basic because I know that it's going to hit like a wider audience if I do. So that's the marketing just- side of you though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just smart business, Lena. Let's face it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, true, true. And I, I always say that, that I'm kind of like not so much an artsy designer as I am more a commercial designer. Right. Well, let's explore that a little more because I was curious. I, you know, I, I actually am really curious about your design process and how you know, working for a company with, you know, usually that means that there's there's certain yarns that you have to work with because of deals that have been made or whatever. Do mm-hmm. you feel, do you feel like you're designing stuff that if you were doing it just for yourself, you'd still be designing? Or do you feel like there's an element, of course, there's an element of yourself in your collections, but you really try to you know, walk down the center of the path versus veering Mm -hmm. right or left as you might for your own self when you're designing just for, you know, frankly, sales reasons. Yeah. Well, it's, it's probably like a mix in between because I do say many times that looking at my collections and people that know me well, like privately, they would almost like feel like they see me in the collection, like the way I style things and Mm -hmm. photo shoot it. It's, it's just like, it could be me. Mm-hmm. in those you know in these pictures because it's my my style but then of course because I kind of like go think that's my thought process where I think like if I what do I want to wear this fall mm-hmm. and 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 maybe I want to wear like big oversized tunicky things and maybe it is because I see a lot of that I, I get exposed to a lot of that now looking at fashion so of course my fashion sense picks up on that and that's why I feel like wearing that and making garments like that but but then of course working for Annie's I I put a lot of respect into what is our core customers and Mm -hmm. what do we Mm -hmm. what do we know that we're going to sell well of as far as both colors and yarn and and style and shapes and stuff like that so of course I don't want to go completely like out of the range of where I know we have our customers so I put I definitely put that commercial part into it and and even picking colors, like we, we kind of know that, you know, even like going 
to the point where our knitters, they are more into a certain color schemes and then our crocheters, we can mm-hmm. find them a little bit somewhere else. So, so we think a lot about that. And I, you know, when I work at the collections, I do that closely with, uh, our, our knit editors and crochet editors where they have a lot of knowledge of our core customers that they kind of, you know, brainstorm together with me that when we nail things down, what we're going to, what our choices are going to be as far as yarn and colors and stuff like that. But, but I would say, still say being senior at my, you know, at my point in life, I, I am a little bit, I do a lot what I like, mm-hmm. you know, what I would like to wear myself. How much of your Swedish heritage is, uh, do you still now uh, bring into your design aesthetic? I'm looking at right now, I'm looking at the, um, I think it's called the Sinostra. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Cowl, I'll, I'll put this on your show notes page. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm oh, just in, in love with it. And it, it, it has a little bit of what I would assume as an American um, <laughs> is a Swedish influence in this, in the stranded color work. I think, I, I mean, I, it must be, I've been, I've been working for so many years. Like we say, it sounds like I'm prehistoric but I've been of course I'm influenced like of course I a lot of what I do is influenced by the Scandinavian but then of course same thing again I'm trying to stay away from too many like snowflakes and uh, you know Norwegian ski sweater designs because I know that that will not really sell over here so that uh, seems to be so on trend right now, though. I mean, it, it, or yeah. at least, or and frankly, it may not be directly Norwegian, but from a knitter's perspective, if mm-hmm. it's if it's color work done in Iceland, or it's color work done in Finland, <laughs> or it's color work done in, it sort of fits in this sort of like overall bucket of, oh, I really, I really love the aesthetic of this like sort of like mm-hmm. graphic embedded, you know, artwork mm-hmm. into my, you know, and, mm-hmm. I, and we're seeing that in magazines all over the place. We really are. Yeah. And know? my, and my take on that is that it, it's like you say, it's, it's totally like something like that you can call a trend because you see a lot of it. I'm just afraid of that when the knitting gets a little bit too complicated, it's like, it's one thing to create a beautiful photo, mm-hmm. but if, if you make designs that are then actually a little bit too complicated to make, then you're going to scare away people. And also you're not going to be able to attract those like new knitters that we want so badly to get into the industry. So, cause I know how all that stranded work, how complicated it can be for people that never done that before. And also, you know, because back in Scandinavia, we would, we would like work everything in the round and then we would just cut up, you know, sticking and stuff for the armholes and all that that requires a lot of technique that I think people don't really have here. I mean, of course, there are people that that do, but it's definitely not attractive to the to the newer the wider audience. And that's a decision yeah. as a designer and also as just a business person that you have to make about who you're going to cater to. If you're working mm-hmm. for Annie's, you need to you need to be catering towards the mainstream and new knitters. Mm-hmm. You need to. And for myself as an independent, I feel like I'm very much in the same position, not for that, mm-hmm. not not necessarily for the same reasons, but for me, I feel like I'm really dealing with a lot of newer knitters or veteran knitters that are just, we're busy. We're busy parents. Mm -hmm. We've got so much information coming at us via social media at every second of the day. There's so many requirements for work-life balance that for me, I want to create the accessibility of the craft for whomever will will listen to me. Um, Exactly. But it's a conscious decision. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, also because you don't want someone to spend like a year knitting their sweater because it's a huge chance that they get tired halfway through and they just be like, oh, knitting is not for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's like I love fast projects where you kind of like get that the gratification of wearing it like a week later or two weeks later, you know, whatever. So, and also just the I, gratification of finishing something, of it not being mm-hmm. just another thing in life that you're like, like that pile of laundry in the corner that you just didn't yep. get to, you know, it's exactly. like, a, it's like a little badge of accomplishment. And I love that. Exactly. But then on that Sinistra cowl, back to that one that you, that you mentioned that has a little bit of that stranded work. Then I was thinking, cause I wanted to do that, but what I did then I did half the cowl. I just did stripes because that's mindless so then we got rid of like almost like half the cow is just going to be mindless and then when I did the feral I kind of had that in mind where I was like okay not any big gaps here like let's just stick with little patterns where there is not more than three stitches between you know the color switching so that we don't make it complicated like make it as easy as possible but still looking interesting. So that yeah. was kind of my thought. So it's for being a fair isle, it's a very it's kind of like the 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 easiest ones you could do. And it's just in the round, so it's never any wrong side rows or so. So you move you move from Sweden to California at some point. Mm-hmm. And which which I, I would imagine are 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 fairly different um, mm-hmm. culturally and also just, you know ecologically does does that I guess I'll ask the same question that I did about your Swedish heritage do you now bring in bits of northern California into your design because it's a very different I imagine that you know you grew up in a place where you know those beautiful ski sweaters are the norm Mm -hmm. when you live in California Mm -hmm. even though you live north where it does actually get a little chilly at least it's it's definitely it's mm-hmm. it's ne- it's never parka weather, so it's a different. Do you do you have a harder time becoming inspired? Have you drawn on different something different for uh, from your surroundings that you may not have if you had stayed in Sweden? Yeah, I, I probably now that's also a thing that I never really thought about. But but you're right. Like I would probably naturally not feel like doing like very like ski sweaters and ski and hats and stuff because I'm constantly told by people like no we never you know I never wear a hat I never so that probably makes me not get inspired making ski sweaters and stuff right Mm -hmm. yeah we haven't seen and but then of course it also it it has a big impact on the photography because I am just in love with the place where I live so you would see that a lot in the pictures I I feel kind of like it that it also like comes through the pictures where you can see how we're on the beaches and we're up in the hills because uh, I just adore the landscape here so to be able to bring my design and then combine my design with the landscape here is just you know it's just creating something that I'm so emotionally like I'm I, I'm so excited about the collection so so I, as as in your role as a lead designer um, and also in-house exclusive uh, designer for the signature collections, is part of that role being a creative director for the fashion shoots as well, for the photo shoots, rather? Yes. For Well, uh, let's put it this way. If I create design for our magazines, which I do, like ongoing, I have a couple of designs in each magazine. All our magazines are shot 
the photo shoots are like in Indiana, where we have our head office. But for the signature designs collections, those my like my own collections, they are shot out here in California. So I pick the styling and I pick the models and I mm-hmm. I. I do all that work behind behind the scenes, and then there's a photographer from the company that that flies out here, mm-hmm. and that we work together out here. And uh, so, yeah, so th- it's all. Do you feel like that portion of the process feeds the same or a different part of you creatively than than designing knit and crochet wear? Well, it's it's feeding like creatively for sure, but it's total different part of the of the process where I'm so, I'm so happy that I can be part of both of it because I feel, I feel just as excited about both parts. And I feel like when you've designed a garment and I know how many times you just send it off to a magazine they should, and and then you get to see the pictures you're, you're like, huh, is that what they did with it? You know, so you often, probably have- <laughs> so often. Yeah. And for me to actually follow through to, to, to have that whole vision on how I, vision this garment being worn and by who whom you know picking the girls and everything it just makes me feel like I can be you know finalizing my project in the way I want it so I'm just you know very thankful that I'm in the position to be able to do that because uh I wouldn't want to be without it at all and and you know when I'm designing I I'm excited about that part but then when I'm done with the collection and the next part starts then I'm just as excited again being feeling like oh my god we're going to do the photo shoot now this is like the best part of my do you feel like they feed each other I mean are you on a photo shoot like does you know styling a collection and just that actual experience is is sort of placing little little bits of sparkle in your mind to as that will be sort of the like zygote of the next collection not really. It's like when I'm in the middle, like right now, we are in the design phase of the spring collection. And I know that the photo shoot is going to happen first week of December. And just because it's starting, because it's soon November, I'm starting now to kind of like look for models and have that. But I don't even think, like if somebody would start talking about next fall collection now, I'm totally not even there yet in my mind. And when we're going to be shooting the spring collection and everything that follows that as far as you know work with the pictures and and finalizing all the patterns and the marketing campaigns and stuff we do I'm not so so when we actually come to the date probably around March next year we're going to start thinking about the fall collection then it's almost like you have to shake everything off and be like you know turn turn the page now and start thinking and let go of this because you're so passionately involved in the current collection so it's almost like you don't want to say goodbye to that one and start to work on the next one but I mean mm-hmm. that's what we right now are doing like the the summer collection uh, or the fall collection now that is out the autumn bliss collection the sinistra cowl that you talked about all those patterns are out now uh now and when I go back and look at those pictures I'm like oh you know oh but right. now we're moved on to spring so so you're, it sounds like you're, answers. no, it sounds like you're able to stay focused um, mm-hmm. in a way. Absolutely. Another one of your jobs within a job within a job is as <clears throat> an expert and associate producer um, for a television show um, yeah. uh, for Knit and Crochet Now TV. Mm-hmm. 
talk, speak a little bit about your experience teaching knitters how to make something mm. or a technique in front of the camera versus any time that you've taught either other designers in-house or perhaps if you've gone out into the wilds, the trade show wilds, <laughs> as, as you've mentioned, and, and taught people one-on-one. Yeah, well, I mean, I, of course, the, the big thing is that you're, you're so focused because you have all these like camera people and studio people around you that you know, so you, it, it's such an intense focus because you don't want to do any retakes or mess up or having, you know, to start over. So, so it's kind of like this intense, I wouldn't say that it's never like intense that way when you're one-on-one on someone to show them. But then when you were with someone, of course you, you have questions and all these things coming, but when you're teaching on TV, it's just you there with your hands. Uh, are, I just, you, I mean, are you more comfortable with one than the other? I would say that I've done, I mean, I've done 300 something tutorial videos Mm -hmm. on YouTube for drop. So Mm -hmm. the whole thing of having my hands showing and trying to, you know, figure out over the years how you, how you do that. So it's really visual. That's something that I've trained a lot. And I, I think I'm not a very, I would say I'm not like a really, I wouldn't say I'm a good teacher. Like I'm not really patient so for me to show it like on TV, that's probably a, a better forum for me Yeah, where me I too. can just do my thing, you know, because I get a little bit like, ah, you know, how can I, I've, I've been, like you said, I've been teaching people, like I've been working in yarn stores and stuff too. And, and, and I can be like, okay, look at this. Okay. That didn't work. Okay. See this drawing. Now I'm drawing it for you. Mm-hmm. No, that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Like, and I can get like, how can you not get this? So but it's because everything that I know is so, you know, it's Instinctual. so for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. The videos that you just mentioned for drops collectively get about 20,000 views a day, which is impressive in any industry, but especially ours. Do you, yeah. do you have, is there a formula uh, for your tutorials that, that you think makes them a success? Well, I think when I, because when I started this whole project with the drops videos, that was back in 2007. Mm -hmm. And at that point, there were not really a lot of competition out there. You know, it was kind of like new with tutorial videos. So I remember that it's kind of like a funny, I remember we were like, oh, what, what color yarn should we use? Like, yeah, let's pick this like limey green. Today, it's like, it's almost like that set a standard. There's so many tutorial videos that has the exact same background exact same color of yarn so it's almost like you can't really see like oh is that a drops video or is that someone mm-hmm. else because mm-hmm. it almost set like a standard and and the 20,000 views per day is that that's when I when I left so who knows what it is today if the competition have I'm sure it's not it as good down. since you're gone I'm sure it's not nearly Aww. as good <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely a lot more competition. Yeah, out there I mean, getting it on the ground floor with anything is always going to set you, you know, Abs- absolutely. Apart. And then, but now it's like the the new thing that we're doing at um, we're we're doing now kind of like tutorial videos to go with the patterns. And actually, the first one launched this week. Mm. So for the for the we were a little bit late coming on to this with the fall collection. Um, but but we did videos, tutorial videos for about like I think twelve to fifteen of 
the patterns, the most popular ones. So there is now an option for people that go get the patterns if they want just the written pattern or if they want the pattern with a video tutorial that will show you every single step of the garment that might be tricky. Oh, wow. So you're not, so, you're not giving it as just a free thing. This is another part of their education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like for a couple of dollars extra, you yeah. can get the video tutorial to go with the pattern. And I, I think... I, I'm that's so really excited smart. about it. No, that's I, really yeah, smart. I, I think it's, uh, it's a new way of, like, you know, making your patterns available for everyone and also making them being part of a tutorial where you can kind of like dare to pick a project with not really knowing that you have the knowledge because you have that video tutorial and it's always going to be so much more of a value to see someone's yeah. hands actually performing the different like increases and decreases and picking up stitches or whatever like we have been trying to target all the different little sections of the pattern that has something special yeah. going on to it so so we're excited about that and if that works out well now is something that we're going to continue doing for the patterns for the spring collection and coming you know so so I'm still doing that kind of tutorial yeah. that I started back then and hopefully hopefully we're going to get a good I also really response. respect that the decision was made to charge even if it's a nominal amount for it um mm -hmm. because there's, you know, there's a huge issue in our industry of value. Um, mm -hmm. And if you're not an in-house designer, you flat out cannot make your living slow, solely as a designer. Mm. You just can't. Mm -hmm. You have to mm -hmm. also be a teacher and also sell patterns and also sell, you know, there's a whole list. Yep. Of, you have to work the trade shows and you have to, you know, or like mm -hmm. me, you have to be a host or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that we have to crawl our way back from, um, mm -hmm. absolutely offering the customer service and being there and offering some sort of, you know, as customer service, offering some sort of gratis, you know, uh, you know, tutorials and that type of thing, but also mm -hmm. equally showing that there's value in the extra step. If you're wanting to see more than just the quick basics and you're really wanting to, to mm -hmm. dig in deep... Mm -hmm. then there's value there that there's there's a lot of knowledge and mm -hmm. and ability that had to that had to be put into that video yeah and I hope that like you say I hope that we can all uh, get that message out that there is like anyone can be a designer today on on online and and start you know handing out patterns but the whole knowledge that you know say like for us like first I put all my knowledge into writing these patterns and then we have tech editors and we have proofreaders and we have all this that adds the value to the pattern becoming like you know a great pattern mm -hmm. so I want people to know that there is a difference between you know not great patterns and great patterns and hopefully when people realize that a brand or an ind independent designer that they are have, like say that that an independent designer gets known for really having great patterns that people are willing to pay for those to know that it goes a lot of work and a lot of people that has to have a salary to put bread on their tables mm -hmm. you know behind this so yeah no I I hope that too that we can that people see the value in buying like a good really good product yeah so otherwise, it's like you say, who, who can afford doing things if we're not getting paid? It's, uh, well, we Lena, Lena, it has been mm -hmm. a pleasure. Your collections are gorgeous. They're definitely you definitely can see the amount of um, knowledge and expertise behind everything you do. And thank you so much for sharing some of that with us today. 
Thank you, Vicky. Thank you for having me. For more information on Lena, to see some of her work, and to enter to win one of three knit and crochet kits that she designed for Annie's, check out this episode's show notes page at vickihowell.com craftish. To enter, you'll just need to post a comment on the page letting us know whether you prefer to make quick or relatively simple projects, or if larger or complex stitching is more your gig. We'll choose winners by 10 p.m. Central on Wednesday, November 2nd. Thanks again to our sponsor, Makers Mercantile, who would like to celebrate our guest, Lena Skvargason, by offering 20% off of all of their yarns and Addy crochet hooks. This offer is only available through October 31st, though, so if you've got a hankering for some yarn and hooks for yourself, or maybe to make all of those holiday gifts, now is the time to shop. Just go to makersmercantile.com and use the code VickyMakes at checkout. Craftish is a Camp Bell production. It is produced in Austin, Texas by me and mixed and edited by Dave Campbell. Music is provided by Explosions in the Sky. If you liked this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend or rate us on iTunes. Your word of mouth means that people can find this podcast, so we really appreciate it. If you're looking for craft-related tutorials and real-time answers to your project questions, be sure to check out my weekly live Facebook stream, Ask Me Monday. That's every Mondays I go live through my Facebook page at 12 p.m. Central. I'll be in Minneapolis next weekend for Vogue Knitting Live, so if you're coming to the show, please stop on by my Make and Take events. The supplies will be provided by Webb's Yarn Store and Clover Needlecraft, so all you need to do is bring yourself. Tune into the next episode of Craftish with Studio MME founder and embroiderer Megan Ekman. That show will go live on Thursday. Until then, though, be sure to take a moment to paint a stroke, knit a stitch, take a photo, strum a guitar, or do whatever it is that feeds your creative soul. Breathe in, craft out, bye.